Yeah, I'm Steph, and that's Gilda. <laughs> yes, that is me. Uh, this is Saturday Night High, the podcast where we get high and talk about Saturday Night Live. And tonight, we are giving you our recap and analysis of Season 2, Episode 22. Yes, this was hosted by Buck Henry, uh, so he's been the host many a time before. He felt comfortable going into this. Maybe too comfortable, some would yeah. say. Um, some would agree. Yeah, it aired. <laughs> yeah, it aired May twenty first, nineteen seventy seven. So that's part of the reason why some would feel that way. Um, and then there's the two musical guests, Jennifer Warnes and Kenny Vance. Yes, uh, as noted on Wikipedia, this was uh, apparently the last episode that Dan Aykroyd had a mustache. I don't know why that's noteworthy, but it's there. The Wikipedia page for the SNL episodes <laughs> is just so strange in what they choose to include it sometimes. It's wild. And then there are things that I'm like, how, how is that left out? Like, there are just cameos that aren't included. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so we start off with a cold open, which was a fireside chat with Dan Aykroyd. Love to see it. This is the last episode of the season. This is the last show of the whatever so they're gonna go out with a bang we got carter and he's talking about um symbolism as he's riding a stationary bike and he says that his stationary bike is powering the tv so when he speeds up you know it gets better and so on (laughs) yeah the quality improved and then he's like okay well And they're all wearing sweatshirts. This is Dan Aykroyd, uh, Lorraine Newman as Rosalind Carter, and Gilda Radner as Jimmy Carter's mother, Lillian. And they're all wearing sweatshirts that have their names on them. But they, so Rosalind Carter says, oh, it's my turn. And Dan Aykroyd hops off the bike. She hops on. And the quote unquote quality of the telecast goes down because no one's powering it. So that goes on for a bit. And then they say, okay, Miss Lillian, it's your turn. And she, like, hobbles over to this motherfucking bike. And I was like, oh, no. Like, where? Wh- I know where it's going. I don't want it to go there. But, oh, no. Lillian then. And that was Gilda Radner. Did we say that? Yes, yeah. it was Gilda. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we did, but thank you. <laughs> um, uh, so. Gilda got to show off her physical Ray- comedy so well in this. <laughs> she sketch. did. So Dan Aykroyd and Laurie Newman, they're addressing the country. They're like, oh, we promise to be better. And they're talking about um, how they want to shift from fossil fuels. And it's like, Jesus, almost 50 years later, that's fucking depressing that we're still talking about the same goddamn shit. I have a similar note in my my notes, but more thinking about Roe versus Wade. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Uh, This week was a weird week to be a woman. Oh, um, but uh, this is actually not airing this week. Oh, well, ooh, who knows? Yep, nope, can't. Mm, who knows when this will air? Um, it's been a strange time. <laughs> uh, Isn't that so always the case? then, as Dan Aykroyd and Lorraine Newman are doing their little plea to the nation thing, Gilda Radner just straight up flings herself off the stationary bike. And, my God, she then just pops right back up, gets uh, back onto the bike, and gives one of the most, like, exuberant live from New York's I think we've seen from her. 
And then she just like kind of bounces in the bike and you can tell she's real thrilled. And it was really cute. It was a great classic SNL moment. Yeah. And then we go into the credits <sighs> where I was just kind of like, okay, let me um, let me just like, I don't know, doodle around, make sure the first part of my notes, the cold open and all of the details are correct. And I hear impressionist Michael O'Donohue, and I was like, oh, fuck, we're getting needles in the eyes again, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And ladies and gentlemen, we got needles in the eyes again on a massive scale. And that's jumping way ahead, but that's when I was like, all right, now I know why you said it was a surprisingly mediocre episode. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, you're thinking, like, season two finale, it can't be that bad. Turns out, no. No, <laughs> no, it's... Michael O'Donoghue no, being the head writer of the season has really oh. just been obvious. It's dark. Yeah. I, I mean, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with dark humor, but he's, like, a step beyond that. He is. Those of you who didn't listen to our Live from New York episodes don't know, maybe, but he lynched, uh, what's his name, Big Bird? Yeah. In his office. Uh, in protest of the Muppets being on Saturday Night Live, so... The best um, thing that happened yeah, to season one was the Muppets. <laughs> um, <laughs> might have to agree to disagree there, but... Um, no, I, season two, fuck. Um, yeah, and we'll be finishing that series soon. Yes. That'll be nice. Um, (coughs) so we then go to Buck Henry's monologue, and he walks out onto the stage, and there is a bed, as we find out it's a stock and a leather whip, and I thought it was a trash can filled with what was meant to be cocaine, but it was apparently a vat of cottage cheese, large curd, and I fucking gagged. Oh, also, um. Hang on, mute yourself. <laughs> because you told me to mute You're my right. microphone, even though I'm not here. So you screaming your mother's name would not have been picked up on a microphone, yeah, but no, it's okay because we're yeah, both high. No. That is actually uh, valid. You did not have to mute that. Um, <laughs> now that we've covered that my mother cannot hear through the headphones, she's apparently listening to wave sounds while playing words with friends. Um, Living the life. She accused uh, she accused me of trying to murder her with a beanie baby, because that was how I chose to get her attention. My cat toys are beanie babies, because my grandmother stocked up on beanie babies for me for some reason. I stocked up on them because they're cute. That's the reason. I mean, they're cute, but my cats fucking love tossing them around and they'll, like, carry them in their mouths and bring them to bed as... Anyway, uh, so yeah, we go into the Buck Henry monologue where we have a bed, what we find out is a stock and a leather whip, and a trash can, which I thought was filled with cocaine, but was a vat of cottage cheese lard curd, large curd, and I gagged, because like Buck Henry stuck his hand into it and slammed it to the stage. It was disgusting. Yeah, it was truly, there's a word for it, but I, I can't think of it right now. Anyway, next thing I know... Abhorrent? Yeah. Um, he's saying that he wants to have sex... He wants to be the first person to have sex on live TV with a volunteer from the audience. And this could go anyway, you know? Um, but already going a pretty bad way. <laughs> like, once you, get he- once you get here, actually... I don't know why I said it. Because once you get here, you're already... Th- the rest of this is not going to be great no so no there's no fucking the camera's going through the audience and you see this woman with like a tank top and she's looking all sexy and that's the woman that book henry chooses 
but the man who is next to her comes down and then they mime out this man like forcing book henry down so yeah we got some homophobia yeah homophobia in there some homophobia some just blatant sexual assault in a monologue in a monologue like right like a was not prepared for that should have been though B, like, okay, so is the joke that Buck Henry's, like, 5'2", and this man was 6'4", and muscly, and it was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, the sexual assault is the joke. That's disgusting. That was the actual punchline of the monologue. So I was not feeling so great about Buck Henry being the host anymore. Uh -uh. No, and normally it's a fucking home run. Right? I was like, oh, this is like Tom Hanks. You know, like, you just... Yeah! Yeah. That was why when I was like, ooh, how was the episode? Your response, I was like, oh, god if that was a response how fucking bad was it and oh boy it was bad yeah it just reminded us that it's very old dated mm-hmm. um yeah y'all chose season three for our next season that's not happening again <laughs> no way we trusted you you failed us killed us right um because the next uh <laughs> sketch was actually somehow even worse um yeah this was like a dean's office situation with buck henry at first you know actually no this oh my god the way that this sketch started do you remember oh i remember it's garrett morris and he's brought into the dean's office and this was the most stereotypically racist portrayal i don't know if it's the worst we've seen but if it's not it's damn near up it's damn near close to being up there yeah like I what the fuck and I honestly can't believe he agreed to do it not that not that any choice like I'm not shaming Garrett Morris like you got to do what you got to do to keep your job but like man it just makes his comments in live from New York about like him feeling like he was cast as the token black member like it just makes that ring all more true it makes it stand out to me yep um but no before even like the sketch started there was like gilda going over to garrett morris and saying that the sketch needed to be delayed just a bit because buck henry was still busy on stage with that man oh oh Am my I busy god. on stage yeah, i mean getting fuck. sexually assaulted haha right i yeah oh my god i completely forgot about that i just think i intentionally was like nope nope this is not happening yeah None of them are participating in this but no they all were oh god it was gross um, so the Garrett Morris portion of the sketch proceeds and he leaves and they're like, oh, you have a student coming in and he's a big way. Oh, he thinks he's a big, oh, it's Buck Henry's wife calls and is like, oh, when you be going to be home? And he's like, I'll be home soon. I have another student coming in. It's a rush appointment. Um, and damn, you got that mute button thing down, girl. I saw that. That was slick. Drinking um, my water. And it, <laughs> It turns out that the student that is uh, a little too big for his britches that is coming in last minute is John Belushi as Samurai Futaba. And this is an installment of Samurai, what the fuck ever it is, Big Man on Campus. And I should have known that we were getting a Samurai sketch in the season finale because they just kind of went for the greatest hits tonight and fine whatever it's low-hanging fruit you know a lot of people are going to be tuning in because it's buck henry like do what you got to do 
it was a very self-referential episode. Yeah, like you had, yeah, you had to know, you had to have seen the sketch at least once, if not multiple times, <laughs> before to understand these. But it's like, all right, so the joke is that John Belushi's grades, the samurai, they're all terrible. He's not going to graduate. He's trying to negotiate his grades with Buck Henry, and Buck Henry's like, oh, you got a really good grade in this class. You know, she's normally quite a tough teacher. How'd that happen? And I was like, oh my god. I knew where it was going because it was yet again another simulated sex joke with the sword and the sheath. And Buck Henry's like, oh, yep, that makes sense. Okay, well, good for you. And moves on. And it's like, okay, that's not cool. But also, like, at least it's it's the same joke every time. Like, even right? though you knew what was going to happen when Stefan came out, at least the jokes were different, even though his responses and delivery were the same. Like, this is just the same shit we're seeing over and over. It, it stops being funny at a certain point. Yeah, it's just like Mad Libs of the same racist shit. Yes! Yeah, which another, um, instead of uh, native... So I watch with, as we've stated, I we watch with captions. But last time that there was a sam- Samurai Futaba sketch... I believe it said native speaking or native grunting or something. And tonight's was non-English speech. And I'm like, nope, still not there yet. God. It's not right. We went to the musical performance, the first musical performance, and only musical performance by Jennifer Warnes for the episode. Yeah. Unexplained, but there were just two completely different musical guests. All right. I mean, they've done it before. They did it in the first episode with Billy Preston and Janice Eaton. Like, it's not unheard of. I, I just, it's, I, I guess it's, yeah, <laughs> right? Jesus. That literally feels like eons ago. Um, but I, so, I mean, I get it because you want to give as much exposure as possible if you're going to have, you know, it's it's a big night. You can have two to three, mu- which they had three musical performances tonight. That was wild. Oh, yes, they did. They um, did. But yeah, so Jennifer Warren, she performs Right Time of the Night. And I was like, what is this, Little House on the Fucking Prairie? And that being said, I have that exact same outfit, so I ki- or at least something very similar, so I can't really judge. But she was doing this like weird wobbling dance thing at one point. It was very off-putting. It seemed like she felt awkward singing about it being the right time of the night. Yes, it did seem awkward. And I will say, uh, at one point in uh, my mother's life, she had that exact same haircut. And I giggled because, <laughs> um, you know, my mother and that's just hilarious. Um, but yeah, so I'd actually heard this song before. I did not know this was her, but it's like one of those like 70s soft rock songs that's, you know, barely like uh, not a synonym. What are they called? Um, euphemism. It's like euphemisms, but like barely. Um, they like be talking allegory? about fucking on live TV. Uh, yes, there we go. Yeah, they really were just talking about fucking on live mm-hmm. TV. And Miss Jennifer Warren's was not quite the most comfortable about it. No, she was not. It was, I I don't know. There was quite a collection of men that she had in the back there on background vocals. But I don't know what the whole sexy thing she was trying to do. She literally looked like a pioneer mama. She did. It was cottagecore. I don't know if eh, I would say like vintage cottage core, not current cottage core. Yeah, that's fair. I I I I don't see much of what she was wearing or doing as current, but um, yeah. And then we went into showers, <laughs> this like shower stand up routine, and <clears throat> I think it was one of our only Bill Murray appearances tonight. 
Um, it was such a great appearance, though. It was. Um, it was just like, oh, Bill Murray, he gets in the shower. There was a lot of water in this episode. There was. They really did a lot of special effects. Uh, so shout out to the special effects crew for this episode. They pulled off a lot. Um, it's like they got to the end of their budget and we were like, well, we have the money to spend. Let's just go. Let's just go hard. Yeah, basically. So I have a bunch of fucking new Switch games. I, I got Assassin's Creed. Oh, yeah. I saw, Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. exciting i'm very excited no cause, i mean no it was yeah i'm ve- I'm just very excited i uh it was like some fucking black friday sale at best buy it was like 12 dollars, and it's normally like 49 59 something because it's two games plus deluxe content oh shit and i saw that and i was like fuck you reserve a copy because there were two left and i got one nice um, so yeah, so Bill Murray was like, just like making weird noises in a shower and doing the thing that we all do when we're singing or listening to podcasts or acting out arguments in our head, you know, the normal shit. Um, and he puts like a microphone on a lanyard around his neck and it was just him at first doing shower performances. And I was like, okay, this is kind of weird, but it was funny. They were very enthusiastic because... shower performances too. Yeah, very enthusiastic. And then he introduces his wife, Mrs. Herkimen, who's Gilda. Uh, he introduces her as a performer on his show. And he's, like, begging her to sing. And she's like, come on, no, I just want to take a shower. Stop. And then, I, I mean, personally, I was surprised excuse me, that NBC allowed this to air. Because, like, it, it was, like, insinuating they were a married couple naked in the shower together. And, like, seeing as at the time, it was a big deal that Mary Tyler Moore was, like, living alone on television. Like, Like, I could not believe with how much they got away with the standards and practices this episode. Like, how the fuck did some of this make it to air? I was Um, wondering the same thing. Bill Murray (laughs) introduced... Yeah, right? Like, they talk about it so much in the book and how hard they had to work to sneak things past them. And I'm like, none of this is subtle. At least the other ones are somewhat more subtle. Right. Um, And then Bill Murray introduces the man that his wife's been having an affair with, which is Buck Henry. And Buck Henry gets in the shower fully clothed in a suit and tie. And at this point, it just evolves into chaos. Yeah. uh, Basically, Bill is talking about, Bill Murray is talking about this man essentially fucking his wife right in front of him. Um, and as this is going on, Gilda is using like a little soap bar to clean Buck Henry, who's wearing the suit. So she's like cleaning his suit with the soap, which was just great. Um, <laughs> and he's, Bill Murray's like, oh, you're, you're going to do this? And she's like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And I think that's <laughs> where the, the sketch should have ended. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, he, Bill Murray is like, oh, we're going to go on a commercial and I have time to sing. Um, and it just lasted too long for me. Yeah, no, he went into a shower version of My Way by Frank Sinatra. A lot of Frank Sinatra jokes tonight. Yeah. Um, I thought the bumpers were fucking on point though oh my god so this bumper that was in between the shower sketch and the next sketch was it just said coming up next deja vu coming up next deja vu coming up next deja vu like that's fucking hilarious they were great and 
I don't think there's anything offensive in the bumpers. In no, surprisingly not. I, I think that's a first for fucking sure. Yeah. Because I normally don't look at the bumpers and think, oh my God, how wonderful. I'm like, oh, my stomach's turning. Next, this was not a first. Yeah. This was. Oh God, no. <laughs> um, a conehead sketch. And it was, you know, typical conehead shit. Dan Aykroyd as Beldar, Jane Curtin as Primat, uh, Lorraine Newman as whatever the fuck her name is, uh, and I noticed that, okay, so Buck Henry, he's playing this, like, FBI guy who's in charge of delivering, um, delivering, uh, this, like, communication from their home planet of Remulac. And Buck Henry, he was still wet from the previous sketch. Yes. And I thought that was really amusing because, like, it was, like, a quick switch. Oh, um, baby. Yep. And then Buck Henry's like, hey, I know where you're from because they all have these capes. He's like, you're from the KKK. And it was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Because they're skinheads and with the white capes. Oh, I thought it was because their heads were shaped like cones and they were cone, those little cone hats. I don't know. Do they wear cone hats? That too, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, well, yes, the KKK have cone hats. I, I'm not so familiar with their costume. <laughs> Although I would, I would recognize well, it if I saw it. <laughs> yes, it basically looks like a wizard robe with a hat with no brim. It goes over your face and there's two eye holes. Have you ever seen Django Unchained? No, I need to also watch um, <gasps> the um, okay. Clansman. Okay, okay, so here's the fucking deal. Okay, so the last time you were out... We watched the Star Wars trilogy. Okay? Yeah, good shit. The next time that we see each other, it's going to be a Tarantino fest. Okay. Because there is honestly nothing better than getting fucking stoked. Well, I'm not asking us to watch foot fetish pornography. No. I'm asking us to watch Quentin Tarantino art films. Um, no, it's there's nothing better than fucking getting stoned out your gourd and watching Tarantino movies. They are fucking hilarious. The man, the, he's a stu- he, he smokes himself. That's what they're for. Like, yeah. So, Tarantino fest. Because you haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood either. Not waiting. You? No, you, 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 yeah, okay, good. You're not allowed to watch any of those. That's the rule, okay? Yes. Um, okay, so, yeah, they make a joke or he, about them being the KKK and... Then this is where the Conehead sketch sort of starts to change, and we realize they're coming to a conclusion in their little arc on Earth. Um, yeah. No, okay, so it goes to a pre-tape of the Coneheads fleeing back to Remulac, and they have to drive into New York City, and they're, like, at the toll booth, and you can see people, like, slowing down and looking. Like, can you fucking imagine being driving along the fucking, like... I don't want to say it's the Hudson River Park, but just, like, seeing three people in cone heads being like, wait, I think I know what that is. Like, yeah, you see Dan Aykroyd driving this car. Fucking right. So, yeah, they're, they go through a toll booth, which I thought was funny. Um, but I thought, the, like, this is the first time we've seen the cone head, like, a recurring sketch as a pre-tape. And um, I thought it was like, okay, now this is something fresh. This is not the same goddamn Conehead sketch over and over again. And then Dan Aykroyd is, like, drinking gasoline, which was really off-putting. And then they get to their escape pod in the Chrysler building, and the Chrysler building just fucking lifts off the ground, because, you know, that's that's 
But it was like a That's horrible realistic. graphic because it's 1977. Oh my god. It, it was so terrible. And then we get to the spaceship or they get to planet Remulac and we have John Belushi as their leader. And Garrett Morris as his, like, I want to say second in command, but I think we all know that Garrett Morris was playing a conehead servant. And I was really fucking disturbed by that because John Belushi was just ordering him around and it was, it felt really gross. Yeah. Um, and that was basically the gist of that sketch, right? Oh, I had a few more things to say about it. Okay, so... Um, a, I was happy to see more people being involved as coneheads, not just the same three people. We need um, diverse why coneheads. The... <laughs> um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, but something, I mean, it's like, why did this, it's like, these sketches, sometimes it's like, oh my god, this is absolutely hilarious, and you're like, cool, end it here, and then it just gets so much worse. Yeah. And John Belushi asks... Uh, he's like, well, I'm supposed to marry your youngest. That's the teenage conehead, Lorraine Newman. And so I'm like, okay, that's gross. And she's like, oh, no, I don't want to. And Jane Curtin's like, he's asked for your cone. You cannot deny him. And I was like, okay, mm -mm, I do not like any of this. And then John Belushi says Mentuk, or Mentuk, or whatever his name was, Garrett Morris's conehead character. He says, In examine her cone to ensure I am to be the first. And I was like, what the fuck? Also, why is, uh, yeah, is Gary Moore in the service? Don't like that. We already covered that. Um, and Mentuk gasps because, as he notes, she's already experienced the sensor rings. And I was like, okay. Like, this is just, like, some straight-up slut-shaming on live TV. I don't care if it's cone heads. It's still enforcing fucking bullshit standards i didn't write it down and i forgot it <laughs> thank god oh no you're fine i just i was like when you were like that was it i was like really i can't believe she didn't make note of that um no that's i've this is no i mean i, I don't know that we have to say it but this it's a feminist stoner podcast if y'all haven't figured that out 70 something episodes in also just like a human like we're just people recognizing that what the fuck was going on there was fucked up Yes. Well, no, I get that. And then... Not, not to all lives matter, you. I don't know why I said that. Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. I, that, wasn't how, that wasn't how I took it, but that's fucking funny. Um, that's staying in. Um, and then John Belushi says that uh, Jane Curtin and Dan Aykroyd's daughter is a common fluff rag and I was like oh my god that's funny and then I just realized it was just slightly off from calling her a fuck rag and I was like yeah I don't love that at all and then it ends with Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi fighting, jumping through the windows why do they always jump through the windows and then Lorraine Newman, Jane Curtin and Mentuk all get drunk together because it's their last six pack for a while yes and we went from that into Weekend Update which um you know they did the typical patty hirsch jokes nixon some weird sports shit uh emily latella correspondence with uh guest bella abzug mm -hmm. uh she was i have this pulled up here she was somebody who i, I should have that. learned about in school and did not i learned about her in undergrad um she was nicknamed 
battling Bella. She was an American lawyer, United States representative, social activist, and a leader in the women's movement. She founded the National Women's Political Caucus with leading feminists. Uh, that's straight from Wikipedia. She joined, uh, she founded the National Women's Political Caucus with Gloria Steinem, Shirley Chisholm, and Betty Friedan. And I believe she may have at some point, yeah, woman, yeah her, she was, uh, her first campaign slogan was, this woman's place is in the House, the mm -hmm. House of Representatives. So she's kind of the one that came up with that. I didn't um, know that, that that went back that far for some reason. I thought that was like a newer saying because I've seen uh -uh. that on a lot of you know, like trendy political outfits. Oh, yeah. Oh, it has had a resurgence. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, she was a badass. I mean, she was problematic in certain ways, but a badass in others, as you know, fucking everyone is. Um, but that was actually her. Um, and then and she got wait, to say like, never mind was... at the end of the Emma oh, Latella. I know that was kind of wholesome as fuck. It was really. It was wholesome. like okay, they asked her to be here. She asked. They said okay, and then she was down to do the joke. Like, what a good sport. And this, I felt, was. Was this, like, the first actual cameo on Weekend Update? Because, obviously, they do that now from time to time, but I don't recall anybody, like, dropping in as themselves to be interviewed by a current correspondent. So I think she might have been the first. I think so, too. And I also wonder who asked her here, because based on right? what we've seen thus far in the episode, it's a surprise that she's here. Fucking right? Um... There was a really funny joke about Jackie Kennedy going to dinner with Baryshnikov after the premiere of The Nutcracker in New York. Um, it was really fucking funny. Um, it says, oh, they went to dinner and they were laughing. And then Jane Curtin says she made him cry when she said she saw very little under his tights. And it flashed to a picture of him covering her face. I, I don't know why I laughed so hard at that, but I did. Yeah. Uh, what I didn't laugh hard at was Buck Henry's <gasps> bit. This was particularly horrible on a lot of different levels. One of them being that I'm not sure how scripted this was. I don't know. She looked pretty fucking shocked at the end of it. Like, she, it didn't look like she consented to that. No. She looked mortified. She looked rattled. She fucked up the ending, and she, I, she she was glaring off stage. Yeah, and then seeing her in the next sketch, I could just tell she was a little bit like, holy fuck. Well, I mean, yeah, because if, if I was surprised with something like that, I'd be fucking living. Yeah. I, I would refuse to participate in the rest of the fucking show if I was humiliated I like could barely that. watch it. It was... It was... It made my skin crawl. Yeah. I, I can't believe that was how they ended the last weekend update of the season. I honestly... I It left such a bad taste in my mouth. And the fact that, like, Buck Henry, I was already kind of like, damn, man, you're participating in these sketches? And then that happened, and I was like, okay, I am, what the fuck happened? I am over this episode, and Buck Henry has a lot to do to work himself back up in my eyes, because... A lot. That was so, that was so horrendous. So, he gives her this honorary award, and... It's the first year that they're giving out the award because she asked him that. Um, and he says, well, he basically reveals that he's here with this award because he wants to fuck her. 
and like a real creep he just describes how hot he thinks she is as she's standing there or sitting there rather looking uncomfortable and shocked and it's really uncomfortable to watch yeah i mean i suppose I, like part of me is like okay i suppose there's a chance she's acting but i just don't know i just i uh. and that when he says oh i might yeah he says that in addition to the plaque there's a trophy a rather large trophy i might say uh to give you he'd rather do it in private he could give it to you after he says i could give it to you after the show maybe at your place and i'm like okay again how the fuck did that get past the censors right like that wasn't even that wasn't even a fucking euphemism or allegory or whatever and then he says when she's very rattled and it becomes clear he's not going to uh he's not his plan's not gonna work he says i'll go talk to barbara i've heard things about her and that was such a slam on her because it was rumored that she sometimes she'd flirt with people during interviews seemingly, but she, she had stories. Yeah. So I, that whole thing was just so fucking icky. And I, at that point I was like, all right, let's just get this fucking over with. Let's yeah. go. Um, the next sketch was um, a, a girl sketch. It featured all the female cast members, all the, what, three of them. Um, <laughs> and some extras. I don't know who they were, where they came from, but they were here. I'm guessing writers. Oh, yeah. yeah I don't know. Um, I, I, that many women? I don't know. <laughs> no, well, no, I'm not saying all of them were writers. I'm just saying I'm guessing that they were using any woman that was in the near vicinity to staff this, uh, to fill out this, the cast for the sketch. Um, and Jane Curtin's like, okay, it's Randy's engagement party. It's Gilda Radner. Jane Curtin is taking the ribbons and making the ribbon bouquet. Lorraine Newman's writing down everything you say, and you'll say it on your wedding night. And the running joke of the show, the running joke of the sketch, which you know from the beginning where it's going, is every time Gilda Radner gets a gift at her wedding shower, she says, I don't know what it is, but I'm sure I'll like it. And I just, it was just like basic wedding shower talk, and I... I was just so, I know it was a different time, but it was just so gendered and gross. Like there was one of the gifts was an apron that says, for this, I went to college. And it's like, okay, that's fucking depressing. Yeah. It was painful. And to top it all off, it was just a long and repetitive sketch. So didn't make me laugh in the slightest. No, it could have been half the length and... It would have been just, I mean, it still wouldn't have been good, but at least it wouldn't have been dragged out. Yeah. Um, <sighs> and the next sketch again. Well, actually, no, I, this sketch, this was How Your Children Grow with Jane Curtin. Mm-hmm. And Buck Henry is the guest. He has Gilda Radner and Lorraine Newman, and they're playing, um, he says eventually that they're his assistants, but initially, it seems like he's a doctor, and they're they're talking. Um, and as he's talking, Gilda says out loud all of his punctuation. And every now and then, Lorraine will like ding this bell, and then Gilda hands a cookie over to Jane Curtin, who's munching on these fucking cookies. I would be too. <coughs> I would say yeah, that. I, yeah, I was kind of jelly. I wanted a cookie. Um, no, so Gilda's basically exclaiming she's audibly announcing the punctuation of Buck Henry's sentences. And at the end of every sentence, Lorraine Newman rings a bell 
At which point, when the bell rings, Gilda hands a cookie, and he said, and so she asks Gilda, Gilda Curtin, nope, <laughs> Jane Curtin asks Buck Henry if there's anything he hasn't been able to uh, figure out in his speech conditioning, and he says. Uh, that the only thing he hasn't been able to figure out is Pavlov's dog, like the Pav- Pavlov's dog slash conditioning, the conditioning experiment that we all learned about in school when the bell rings, the dog gets a treat, and you, it turns out that Jane Curtin has now been conditioned to hear a bell and want a cookie, at which point she steals the bucket of cookies from Gilda, which I thought was funny. It was funny, and it made me want cookies. Mm-hmm. Um, Garrett Morris introduced a piece by Bill Wegman, which was a dog under a blanket with an alarm clock on him, and the alarm clock goes off, and the dog ignores it. And that was the piece. Fucking perfect. That was it. Amazing. I mean, I, I, I didn't hate it, but I was just like, well, that was something. It was very I weird. Didn't, yeah, I didn't quite understand why it was part of the show, but it was also one of the less offensive things we saw, so whatever, fuck it. Yeah, no, I didn't understand either, but I looked up Bill Wegman, and I realized he's that guy who made that um, famous painting of all the dogs playing poker. Like, all of his art oh. was just dog art. Like, that was his thing. He was a dog artist. Okay. He invented all that, right. I guess, or made it popular. I don't fucking know. He was just famous okay. for it. Did you ever see these fucking videos when you were a child of like dogs wearing suits doing human things or like sitting in human poses and it was kind of terrifying i don't think so no okay <laughs> not ringing a bell <laughs> okay i probably just super dated myself there but anyway they were creepy as shit and that's what this reminded me of so i didn't like it um, we then went into Buck Henry introducing Kenny Vance, who was performing the song The Performer. And I was like, oh, this is one of the guys singing backup before. Okay. Um, and my only note on this was it's a very summer evening in the backyard song. Ooh, that's a good way to describe it. It wasn't really my thing. Like, I wouldn't listen to this, to be honest, but it's nice. No, no but it feels like something would, that would come up on, like, your Spotify, like, summer cookout play like you know what i mean like there's just like different vibes that you can yeah yeah (laughs) um we went into a charles Lindbergh sketch which had buck henry as charles Lindbergh trying to cross the ocean and i don't know why i just never considered like the physical limitations that charles Lindbergh must have had along his route (laughs) Um, but it was addressed in this sketch. Yeah, it was. Um, which, have you seen The Plot Against America? No. Okay, do you have HBO? Yeah. Have HBO. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's on there. It's a six-part... Ah! It's a six-part miniseries. Uh, ep- yeah, six-part miniseries. It's an alternate history where Charles Lindbergh, who was a fucking Nazi, he runs against mm-hmm. FDR and wins and turns America into a fascist state. I binged it in two days. It was amazing. Oh, yeah. I think you told me about that before. That sounds uh, really fucking good. Yeah. It's so fucking good. you got to watch it. It's insane. Anyway, um, so, yeah, Charles Lindbergh, pff, fucking Nazi. What happened to his um, baby, though? Uh, well... Personally, I ascribe to the whole thing because Charles Lindbergh was a eugenicist and uh, believed that people with special needs were inferior. 
And there are theories that his child started showing signs of developmental delays and he had his child unalived. Oh. So, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if that's what happened, but it's a theory. I'm just saying. Um, I mean, but honestly, it makes more sense than a random fucking painter taking a ladder to a window to steal a baby. Like, what? Why? Why would you ever steal a baby? Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. <laughs> no one wants a baby. God. All right. So there were jokes. Oh, God. I knew. Okay. There were jokes about like, oh, he was there with his hot thermos. And it's like, okay. I'm pretty sure they're joking about him drinking his own pee. Um, he, there was a, again, mm. it was predictable. I knew it was going to go to a joke about him getting off to pass the time. Like, why? But the way that he had to get off was by making a hand puppet stewardess oh, who God. he had, like, jerking him off while he was reading spicy stories. And then the narration says, the turbulence jerked the plane off. Of course. Yeah, which, again, standards and practices. How was this said either? It wasn't even subtle. Not at all. At this point in the sketch, I'm like, what the fuck am I seeing? It was so disturbing for so many reasons. And, uh, yeah, there was more water through the window. And then we hear the Jaws theme, or at least something similar. And then we have Land Shark. I fucking hate that Chevy Chase still comes back every fucking eight episodes. Like, you've left, sir. Leap, move on that guy who keeps coming back to visit the high school that he's already graduated from what the fuck are you doing here sir yep like once is okay twice is a little weird but whatever don't do it more than that no um and then it was but it was so worth it because he like shows up at the window of the plane he was like mr limbar brown bang Captain Linmar Burr Bear Burr. It was really funny how he was like mumbling the words. At which point he just says Candy Graham. Um, says that he's an exterminator. Buck Henry's like, I don't need an exterminator. He's like, I have a map. I don't need a map. I have a compass. I don't need a compass. I have amphetamines. Buck Henry responds, well, I guess we could chat for a while. And I thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, but that was like the highlight of the episode. That uh, highlight of the episode, highlight of the sketch. That one line. Yeah. So the episode then goes into Howard Shore in the band playing. What was that? The departure. Departure lounge. Lounge. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Know. It was like okay, so they're playing sex music for the people that managed to stay up until one a.m. That's what I was getting. Yeah. Like it. It it was just like, why? This is just too weird, too obvious. Don't like it. So, uh, yep, that was a nope. And then... Yeah, another nope. Yeah, the final sketch of the night. Uh, Buck Henry introduced it as one of the most amazing men he's been privileged to see in his time in show business. And I was like, here we go. Hey! Hey! Let's be nice. I'm almost done. Um, I don't know if you heard that. I did hear the meh. <laughs> okay, good. Um, yeah, and so why does Michael O'Donoghue always dress like a dead Victorian man? Right? What the hell is going on with that? I would hate this guy so much if I knew him. If I worked with him, I'd be slapping him silly. 
fuck, I know, like, I literally, I just see him, and I'm just like, no, I would avoid the fuck out of you if I knew you. Bad vibes. Yeah, all over the place. Bad vibes, red flags. No, 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 no. Um, so he says he was recently in Utah, and he went to see the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, and it was wonderful. And then during the performance, he had this vision, and he's like, well, I just thought, what if... Someone took hundreds of pairs of steel needles, 15 to 18 inches long. And I was like, oh my God, I cannot believe they're doing this because a curtain has now raised and you have like 30 people standing on risers. Maybe not 30, maybe more like 20. I don't know. A lot of people, cast members, writers. I am like 95% sure Al Franken was standing in the front row, which Gilda recently went to see Al Franken uh, and it was an absolutely amazing show. He's so smart, so funny, and he was done so dirty getting kicked out of the Senate because that, <sighs> I'm not saying don't believe women, but I mean, come on, there's a scale and he's a comedian and the woman that he took the picture with knew he was taking the picture. Like, yeah. Not enough to lose a Senate position over. Anyway, if you get the chance to go see him, do it. It was fucking great. And then at the end of the show, he signed my copy of Live from New York. So, you know, it was wonderful. Yes. And that I just want to say congratulations on that segue. Literally so smooth. Thank you. That was the only thing I planned out this episode. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, it was just... The cast and writers pretending to stab needles in their eyes and rolling around the stage and flinging themselves everywhere. And it was horrific. And now he's involved the cast in his fucked up shit. And why? I don't know. But we're all watching it. So here yeah, we are. That was unfortunately I'm, I'm sure he'd be happy that people are still watching his fucked up comedy. Wait, is he dead? Yeah, he had a massive stroke, a massive aneurysm or stroke. Right before the 25th anniversary. Oh, right. Oh, right. Yeah. I was like, I was like, yeah, no, he, yeah, no, he's definitely dead. Because uh, he died right before the reunion. Right. Because it kind of like cast a shadow over I it. I forgot that was a whole um, thing. Yeah, it was a whole thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was it. Uh, Landshark, Jackie, and the horse. There was a segment during Weekend Update that I guess Chevy Chase did the voice for. And I'm like, all right, well, in hindsight, that segment now makes sense. Um, what was your nope of the night? My nope of the night is going to have to be, well, I just didn't like it. I was already primed to be in a bad, like, place to receive anything. Uh, the sketch where it was Gilda, it was all, all the women opening presents. Um. Really? Yeah, I just did not like watching this one bit. You see, I did not like it, and it just... It was really awkward and just dragged on, um, but it wasn't in my mind, and I'm not like uh, all lives mattering you or yes or not all menning, but like in my mind it was just bland and uh, uncomfortable, whereas my nope of the night, yeah, that totally sounds like I'm all not all men. Jesus Christ. Um, what is up with us tonight? Good. Uh, God. Um, my nope of the night was Buck Henry on Weekend Update. 
and I was so skeeved, so skeeved out, and just, mm -mm, no thank you. Yeah, I mean, that's basically mine, I feel like. Maybe that's why mine is mine, because I was just still sitting on that. You were still shook, yeah. 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 Um, what was your runner-up? I think my runner-up was Bill Murray singing in the shower. Uh, he did a really good performance here. He was giving it his all, and I kind of liked how it ended with the wife just being like, continuing to cheat on him not that i'm supporting cheating but it was just a good way for the sketch to end even though it didn't end there and with him singing some more that's why it's the runner-up <laughs> um my runner-up was the cold open because while it was kind of something we'd seen before it was a new idea in terms of okay they're focusing on being energy conscious and they're biking to power the telecast it was Nothing new, but it was funny. So, what was your, what was your favorite? It was actually that because that it started off on a pretty good note. I thought. Okay, nice. My uh, favorite was Bill Murray's shower stand-up routine. No way. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So we were we were just opposites tonight. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, that was a surprisingly disappointing end to season two of Saturday Night Live. Hopefully season three doesn't do us like this. <laughs> like, this was just... God, I hope not. This season dragged. I can't lie. Oh, fuck, it dragged. I mean, we started this season a while ago, too. It was just hard to get through it. It is. Um, We're planning on doing the chapters of Live from New York for... The off weeks for the foreseeable future, hopefully. Um, if we start season three in the meantime, it's because one and or both of us did not read said chapter in time for recording. <laughs> um, but until then, you can find us on all major podcast platforms, wherever you get your favorite podcasts, we're there. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review. And find us on social media, Twitter, YouTube, Reddit, and Facebook at Saturday Night High Pod Night is spelled N-I-T-E on Twitter where Gilda live tweets all the live episodes. Almost. Oh, almost all of them. I won't be doing the 18th. Yeah. I'll be otherwise occupied. Uh, we have a website, satinighighpod.com and if you wish to send us a message that is longer than Twitter will allow, we you can find us at satinighighpod at gmail. But... Until next time, I'm Gilda. And I'm Steph. Happy fuck season two highs. <laughs> Happy fuck season two highs. God, you are the best at that. God damn it. All right. Happy New Year, y'all. Oh, Happy New Year.